All right, Rabbi, say good morning. Good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors. Thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Kislev. Josh and Becca Freeman, a creation of the art site of Josh's father, Yisrael Yehuda, Benarav Chaim Raphael, as well as for Aliyah, for the Shamas of all of those who are murdered Akidah Hashem on Simchas Torah Yisrael, for a safe return for all of our hostages and all of our Chayalim, and a complete and enduring refuah for all those who have been injured. Sami Malka Esther, in memory of their parents, Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim, Yitzchok Leib Ben Aaron Akoin, and Sarah Rachel Bas Baruch Avram. The Pepper family, in memory of their brother and uncle Yosef, Pepper Yosef, David Ben Yaakov, Zichron Lebracha, and we as a shear. Dedicate entire Masechus Babakamo, Li'ilui Nishmas, Master Sergeant Ilyo Michal Harush. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas Lavan Aliyah and the families in the Chama, and indeed, Besoros Tovos and Gu'ula for all of Klav Yisrael. But say with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today. Baruch Hashem, a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is a beautiful daf every day. Today's daf is daf Lamed Gimel. And we left off yesterday... We really have a lot to do today. Yeah. Um, all right. You know what? Let, let's just let's just actually just for the sake of expediency, although they're not going to experience in any way, shape, or form. Let's pick up. Let's pick up. Massive Rala. It's just the easiest place. Even though we did it yesterday. Second wide line. Second wide line. Thirty-two B. Thirty-two B. Okay. So remember again, just to orient ourselves a little bit again. So remember, the Mishnah introduced us to a variety of different cases where halacha lamaisa, actually, let's just go to the b'raisa. The b'raisa spoke about a case of a person who enters into a carpenter's shop, right? So Reuben is a carpenter, he has a store, Shimon goes ahead and walks in. So what's talach? And he walked in shalom b'rshus, without permission, a splinter flies up, kills Shimon, ultimately, again, Reuben will be potter. However, if he entered in b'rshus, if he entered with permission, then Reuben ultimately, again, will be chayiv. So Rava said, Rava explained that Allah Lamaisa, the case over here is talking about what does it mean that he's pater? He's pater from Golos. Now, boss, remember again, I mentioned this at the end of the, the, end of the Shia yesterday. Golos, we look at Golos as a punishment. But the real truth is, Golos is not a punishment. What is Golos? Golos is a kapara, it's a form of atonement. So, therefore, again, there are, so when does Golos atone? Golos only atones ultimately again when it is a. Pure accident. But if there's an element of karov lemezid, if there's an element of some liability or some heightened level of, or some lessened level of accident, maybe leaning a bit more towards, towards a bit of pshib, a bit of negligence. So in that kind of case, so exile, so gullus cannot atone. So massive rava. Rava asked the cash. Let's go. Host of Lord Sumais, if it was as a Reuben was being flogged by Bezdin. And let's say, again, Allah said, they added on an additional uh, lash. Lash, what's that? And as a result, Ruvain died. Hareza Gola al Yado. So, it sounds like the flogger, the flogger, ultimately, again, will be sent to Golas. Aye. Vahahaha, the Shogi Karvel Mezidu, the Boy Asuke Adaite, the Maisi Inish Bechader Atsua, the Katana Reza Gola. Prabhosai, this doesn't really seem to be a Shogi case. This isn't really, what, what kind of case is this? This is what we call shogig karov lamezid. It's shogig in that what? Obviously, again, the flogger didn't mean to kill anyone. But it's, a, it's karov lamezid. Karov lamezid means it's a little bit negligent. A little bit negligent. Why? Because he should have been, right? He, he has a job. What's his job? To flog and count, right? It's a two-pronged job. Pretty straightforward job description. Flog, count. So he didn't go ahead and keep count. So that's the shtickle negligence. So why should he go to Gullus? Why should he go to Gullus? We'll say, by the way, I just want to point out, it's also a fascinating way to think of it in Judaism in general. Just a very quick aside. Very quick aside. I do too many quick asides, which is why we're here. I just want to say, so, so nice, uh, it's very important in Judaism. In Judaism, we, we usually do not have punitive punishment. Uh, usually in Judaism, punishment is meant to be rehabilitative in some way. Even when someone is put to death, putting someone to death is meant to be a form of kapara. It's meant to be a form of atonement. That's why I mentioned this before. That's why, interestingly enough, what's the one form of punishment we don't have in Judaism? Yeah. Incarceration. We don't have jails. We don't have jails. We have holding cells. Sometimes when you don't know what to do with someone, but we don't have jails. Why? Because the Kaddish Baruch Hu understood long ago that putting someone in a box, putting someone in a cell, does not do anything to help address whatever their core issues are. You could flog the kishkas out of them, that may help, right? You could fine them, 
right? You could go ahead and punish them and others, you send them to exile, but Lamaisa, whatever the punishment is going to be, it should be restorative and rehabilitative in some way. So, so therefore, again, what the Gemara is essentially saying is, Golos is an atonement for someone who's a real Shogeg. But if someone has a Shogeg car of Lamezid, there should be no Golos. So in this case over here, the flogger, why does he go to Golos? What's the case? The case is where the flogger made a mistake in the count. Okay, so Tafakhle Rava Bissandal, I suppose, listen to this. So, so Rava went ahead and Rava went ahead and Rav Simi Ba'ashi said, so Rav Simi, Rav Simi, pardon, Rav Simi said this idea that he made a mistake on the account. Rava kind of tapped him on the shoe. Amrale Atu Hu Mani, do you think it's the flogger who counts? Vatanya, Godl Shabadayan and remember again, so Malkus is administered in Basin. So remember, what's the process? The most, the, the, the godl, right? The, the most important of the judges, he goes kore. He reads, we'll see, when you get flogged, when you get flogged, so the basin reads the psukim associated with your flogging. Uh, whatever, you ate uh, something non-kosher intentionally, right? So you go, so they'll read out the psukim of what it is that you did as they flog you. Vasheni mora, second dayan counts. Vashlishi omreiko, the third guy, the third dayan says, strike. And then again, then you have a flogger. So the point over here that Rav is trying to make is the flogger isn't the counter. You're right, what's the case over here? The case over here is where you're right, the Dayan made the mistake. So now this makes more sense. The flogger himself is not responsible, is not responsible for counting. So what ended up happening over here, the Dayan made a mistake in the count, right? The flogger ended up administering one extra flog. One extra lash. So therefore, you're going to say, so the Dayan is not going to be Chayiv. Why? Why? Because for him, it's like grama. It's like grama, right? The guy who's flogging is really pure shogig. Again, he did kill the guy. At the end of the day, he killed the guy, but it's pure shogig. So that's a case, ultimately, again, that's a case where the Maisa, you'll go to Gullus. Very interesting. Very interesting. It's also interesting that the flogger goes to Gullus for that, right? In other words, here, the flogger literally is just following instructions. I would say, but you see from here, this, <coughs> excuse me, it's not a surprise because we have the concept of Adam Muad the Olam. A person is always responsible for their actions. So therefore the flogger administered the death blow, so to speak. Therefore, again, purely accidentally, therefore he's going to go to Gullah. So let's go back to Mesvei. Hazarik Surabim, a person throws a stone into Surabim and ends up killing someone, he goes to Gullah. One second. Just imagine the scene. Ruven, Ruven is standing in his uh, backyard, right? And what does he do? He's throwing stones into Rosh Sarabim. Sure enough, what ends up happening? Shimon walks by, strikes him in the head, and Shimon dies. So the Allah is Ruven goes to Galos. Galos, Galos, this is a case of Shogi Karov Lamezi. Right? Why? Why? I say, Guess what happens in Rishtarabim? Guess what happens? People walk. People walk, right? People happen in Rishtarabim. So you throw a stone, you throw a projectile into Rishtarabim, and you're surprised then when something happens. Now it's granted, you did it, Ruben didn't mean to kill Shimon. I understand that. So it's not premeditated to, to strike against an individual. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's still responsible. So what's going on over here? So, so, so how, could he, how could he go to Golos? So the Marsha Amr of Shmuel Bar Yitzchak, Bissostress Koslo. The case is where it's not that Ruvain's throwing stones. Ruvain's dismantling a stone wall, and a stone falls off and hits Shimon. Okay. He still has an obligation to watch what he's doing. But so He's deconstructing, he's demolishing it at night. So at night, he assumes that no one is around. So the Gemara says, Balayla nami Still to be vigilant at night as well. What's the case? He's dismantling a wall into a garbage dump. To a garbage dump. So he doesn't expect people to be there. Slimar so says, Hi, What's the case of the Ashba? Say if there are people who always frequent the dump, right? Then at the end of the day, he's amazed. If he acts, or not amazed, amazed, but a car of amazed, if he's dismantling a wall and the stone kills someone. And if people don't normally go to this garbage dump, honestly, circumstances. What's the case? Amra Papa, the Ashba has panos balayla. This is interesting. But in general, what are people doing in a garbage dump? Or say, people use it as like, a, as like an outhouse. So the case over here, the case over here, Rav Papa says, is where this was a garbage dump that, were, that people used at night to relieve themselves, but not really used by day. 
And ultimately, you know, sometimes there are those who are even there by day as well. So, so we'll say, so therefore, what's the case? So, therefore, Ruven is dismantling his wall. And essentially, what's if you can imagine, imagine for a moment his property um, abuts the, the garbage dump. So, what is he doing? Pretty much like he's dismantling his wall by just like pushing stones into the dump. It turns out that someone is there someone, some, by day. Someone is there. He didn't expect someone to be there because people don't usually use that space during the day. So he's not amazed, right? Mazed Lohabi. He's not a he's not amazed. Why? Because people aren't normally there by day. He's all but he can't be called an ones. Why can't he be called an ones? Because people sometimes do use the area by day. So therefore, if you are not amazed and if you are not an ones, what are you? A shogeg. You're a shogeg. And therefore, again, that's why the halach is that this individual will go to God. It's incredible. So I will say, Rapapa takes this entire conversation and he appends it to the Reisha. So I will say, remember again, so remember, it's all going the price we quoted yesterday. Ruven, right? Ruven walked, so Ruven has a store. Ruven, Ruven, has a, Ruven has a carpenter. He's in Nagar. So Ruven has a store and Shimon walks in without permission. And a splinter flies up and hits Shimon in the face. Who makes and Shimon dies. Potter. Ruven is Potter. You know, when is that so? You know, or what does that mean is Potter? Potter I will say he'll be chayiv in four things. He'll be chayiv in four things. But ultimately, again, pattern loss. I will say now, when we say chayiv in four things, what does it mean chayiv in four things? The only time that you're chayiv in nezek, tsar, ripoy, sheves, right? And boshes would be the fifth, is when when the guy is alive and injured, right? So obviously, the case over here is maze. The case over here is the splinter flew up and killed Shimon. If, obviously, if Shimon is dead, there's no dalad dvarim. But again, in the case where he would have been injured, right? So in the case where he kills him, he's potter ultimately again from Galos. He's potter from Galos, but ultimately again, So ultimately again, so the one who took this case and appended it to the Seifa, certainly would agree with this interpretation. But the one who went ahead originally and said it goes on the Reisha would not agree with this interpretation. Why? Because we'll say at the end of the day, since Ruvain, since if Ruvain would have entered into Rishos, like his Rish was, then ultimately Michaev Galos. Or Michaev Galos, is that true? That if you enter in with Rishos to a domain and then end up getting killed accidentally, that you go ahead and go to Galos? Vatanya. Hanichnas lachanu sashanaf afinisanit sosos vitafla aponov, umeis. So we'll say listen to this. Same case, just different profession. Ruvain is a blacksmith. He has a store. Shimon walks in. Shimon walks in. They're both saying, now remember again, the case over here is, he walks in, sparks fly up and kill Shimon. What's Talacha? Pater. Ultimately, Ruben's going to be Pater. And even if, Pater from Galos, and even if Shimon entered in with permission. So what's the case here? They're saying, no, no, the case here is different. We're talking about, again, a blacksmith's apprentice. A blacksmith's apprentice. So I say, I don't understand. Just because, just because Shimon is a blacksmith's apprentice to Ruvain, so therefore if Ruvain kills him, ultimately, again, he's potter from Galus. Because he's an apprentice, therefore, again, he deserves to die. So I will say, no, what's the case? The case over here is where Ruvain is telling Shimon, get out, get out, get out, get out. It's a dangerous workspace. Get out, and Shimon doesn't listen. So because because again because halacha lemay so Ruvain telling Shimon to get out, but Shimon doesn't listen. So therefore again, and he gets killed. So Ruvain's exempt from that. So the says The case is where Ruvain thought that Shimon already left. Ruvain thought that Shimon left. Turns out that he didn't leave. Ultimately, again, a spark flies up, ends up killing Shimon. In that case, ultimately, again, Reuben is going to be Potter from Galus. If that's the case, if that's the case, why do you have to set this up as that Shimon is the apprentice? Why don't you just set it up as a regular case that Shimon is a regular, I was at the apprentice. Well, it's the top of Lamed Gimel, 33a. So the Gemara says, Achar, Lesle, Imsa, Derabe. Hi, Isle, Imsa, Derabe. Both say there's a difference over here. In general, where if Shimon is an unrelated customer, 
Just because Reuven tells him to leave doesn't mean that ultimately, again, the, the customer is going to listen. And therefore, Reuven has to be cognizant of the fact that someone may be there. When it comes to the apprentice, the assumption is that the apprentice has a certain level of reverence for the master, for the master. And therefore, again, if Reuven tells Shimon to leave, Reuven has every right to assume that what? Shimon's going to leave. That's the right he has to assume. If Shimon doesn't, then the truth is he's a shtekel ones. Okay? So the Lord says, Rav Zvidu Shedi Rav Masni Umatsa prat So also listen to this. The Pasik, the Pasik when it talks about again killing someone Bishogeg. But remember again, let's take a step back. What's the what's the paradigmatic case of killing someone Bishogeg? Right? The Yar, the forest. Right? The forest. Ruven and Shimon, right? Ruven's chopping wood. Doesn't know that anyone else is there. Splinter flies off, kills Shimon, goes to Gullah. So we'll say, so the Lushan in the Pasik is so either means the axe head falls off the handle or a splinter flies off, flies off, the, flies off the wood. And the splinter finds Shimon. That's Lashon. This is interesting. So the Gemara says, So we'll say Matza means the, the object, the object found Shimon, but Shimon didn't find the object. Now listen, what does this mean? This is actually very interesting. So here's an interesting case. Imagine for a moment, Reuven throws a stone. At the moment that Reuven released the stone, ultimately no one was in sight. Then as the stone is, is, is flying, what happens? Shimon sticks his head out of his window, out of his window to see what's going on. And Nebuch, the stone strikes him and kills him. In that case, ultimately, again, Reuven will be putter from Galos. Why? Because we'll say, in that case, the Allah looks at it is, the stone didn't find Shimon. Rather, what happened? Shimon found the stone. Shimon found the stone. So in other words, we'll say, the distinction is, the distinction is, we've saw this before also, that in Halacha, in Halacha, so much of the Halachic reality is determined at the moment of the beginning of the event. So when Reuven throws the stone, if Shimon is in the equation, Shimon is already present, then Einachinami, there could be Kalas liability. But if Shimon introduces himself, so to speak, to the equation, after the stone has already left Ruvain's hands, then there's no liability ultimately for Galus. Now, yeah, fine. Also, here it is. So that's true. In other words, if, if Shimon ends up getting killed, Ruvain will be Pater from Galus. But remember, Ruvain, let's say Shimon doesn't get killed, let's say Shimon is injured. Then will be the halacha, will be the halacha. Then ultimately, Reuven will be chayiv in dalad dvarim. Rashi says why? To have the posheak, poshea shezark l'makom shavane adam mitzuyim. It was an obviously again. Remember, we always have adam muad the olam. And what does adam muad the olam essentially mean? Whenever you damage, you're responsible. That that that's bottom line. What it means. If you damage, you are responsible. So therefore, halacha l'maisa again. If again, if if Shimon gets killed, Shimon gets killed. No galus, but if Shimon gets injured, chayven dal dvarim. So the Gemara says, "Man demasnia la la aha kosh kena kamaisa." So the one who sets it up this way, I will say, certainly agrees with the previous interpretation. Man demasnia kamaisa, but the one who sets up the previous interpretation, aval aha patel gamre. In this case, I will say, one can make the argument that maybe should be patel gamre. Since I will say, remember again, I will say, you, you, but, and that's how you paskin. I just want to point out, we actually paskin in this case patel gamre. In other words, if Ruben throws a stone, Shimon is nowhere to be found. Then, as the stone is flying through Shimon, you know. Shimon, you know, sticks his head out the window and gets hit with the stone, Ruvain would not be high. I'll tell you what this is comparable to Rabosain. Remember the case over where Ruvain stands on the roof, Ruvain stands on the roof, and, um, um, yeah, Ruvain, sta- Ruvain stands on the roof, Ruvain stands on the roof, and, and, um, drops a cleat, drops a cleat, and there are cushions on the bottom, right? And then Shimon comes along and... Ru- yeah, and, remo- and removes the cushions, right? And what, what's the halacha? What's the halacha? So Ruvain's potter, right? Why is Ruvain potter? Because at the moment that Ruvain threw the kli off the roof, ultimately, again, the kli was not going to break. So you, I, go back to what I said before. You see that in halacha, the way we judge an act is, is, is the way ultimately, again, the... Yeah, there, we, okay, let me, say, let me say it differently. I'm sorry, I will say I apologize. I got back from a wedding from Lakewood at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh so just stop operating. Not the, I, I think I'm here, right? Am I you know, here? Good, good. All right. Hey, so I, I, got, I got this, I got this. Hey, so, so again, so the way, the way we go ahead, the way we go ahead and judge an act 
is essentially by going ahead and judging the intended consequence or the projected consequence at the time of the initiation of the act. So therefore, when Ruben drops a clee off a roof, right, and there are cushions on the bottom, that is a clee that is not going to break. If Shimon goes ahead and subsequently removes, removes the cushions, Ruvain's not liable for that. You know, that's why the reverse case is true also. Ruvain drops the clee off the roof and Shimon comes with a baseball bat, right, and breaks it. What's Shimon's liability? None. Why? That was a broken clee. When Ruvain throws the rock, if there is no one in that, in that, in that collision course, so then Ruvain's ultimately going to be Potter. Shimon goes ahead and introduces himself afterwards. That's a new variable. That's a new variable that wasn't present at the time that Ruvain threw the rock. So therefore, again, the halacha will be that he's Potter. Certainly Potter from Galus if he kills him. And it sounds like according to the Gemara, maybe even Potter from Dalit Dvarim. Okay, good. Let's go right to Tzorna Abana. Both say, really interesting case over here. Really interesting case. Apollum. Apollum. Let's go. Apollum. Shabal Litbos Charim Mibala Bayis. This is a very interesting case, right? Workers. So let's say Ruvain. Let's say Ruvain has workers. Workers need to get paid. So the workers show up to Ruvain's house to ask for their paycheck. They both say, now, what's interesting about this over here is they're not coming to the place of employment to collect paycheck. They're coming to Ruvain's house. And they get gored by the ox of the balabais. Just saying. Just saying, right? Again, right? And they get bit, they get bit by, the, by the dog of the balabais. Umes. And they die. They die. I'm using it plural because it's plural. But again, someone dies. So let's talk about say. So Potter, ultimately, again, the Balabai is Ruben is Potter. Achirim, Omrim, Rashan, Potter. So Potter, I will say. Now, Bepashtos, <coughs> Bepashtos, why, why, why is the Balabai is Potter? Why is the Balabai is Potter? Bepashtos. Why are the workers showing up at Ruben's house to get paid? That's not how this works. You get paid at your place of employment. So the fact, that, that's what it sounds like. Well, we'll interpret it, right? So therefore, again, first opinion says, listen, you come onto someone's property, that's at your own risk. That's at your own risk. Other opinions say, no, workers have a right to get paid. And if the, if the employer doesn't pay them, they have a right to show up at the employer's house to get their money. Say, dummy, what's the case? So we'll say, if Ruvain, the employer, is normally found in the city, in other words, in the city means you don't have to come to his house to get paid. He's, he's found at the place of employment. So I'll say, at the end of the day, if Ruvain is normally found at the place of employment, so then why would the workers have the right to show up at his house? And if they do show up at his house, if something happens to them, it's on them. It's not on Ruvain. But if the right, if Ruvain is normally found at home, that's normally where he spends his time. So my time without a comma. Then ultimately, again, the workers should have every right to come there to collect their money. And if that's the case, why does the Tanakhama say that Ruvain is exempt? This is great. This is great. We'll say what's the case? The case is Ruvain. Ruvain is such a great lashon. Ruvain is very often found at work, unless he's not. Unless he's not. I actually know a lot of people like this, right? Right? right, they're, found, right they're, they're, they're found at work, unless they're not. Unless they're not. Right? So, so the mice, again, what, what does this mean? So here's the case. So therefore, what that does is, what that does is, is it's not uncommon, therefore, for the workers to show up at Ruben's house asking for payment. That's the point over. This, is, this wouldn't be like an uncommon thing or an irregular thing to do. So now watch this. So I'll say watch. So now here's the case. Ruvain, who's sometimes found at home, sometimes not found at home. So therefore, it's normal for them to come to Ruvain's house to collect payment. They knock on the door. They knock on the door. Amr Luhu, in. Ruvain says, yes. He calls out, yes. Samar Savra, in all. Ta mashma. One opinion says, when someone says, yes, yes means, come in. Come in, enter. Umar Savra, in. Koma duchtech mashma. Avila says, yes, stay where you are. Right, there we are. State your intention. Now, watch this. So, this is Machlokas. So, Tanakama says, so Tanakama says, Tanakama says, ultimately again, so yes means yes, stay where you are and state your intentions. And therefore, if they come in, get bitten by the dog or gored by the ox, that's on them. That's on them. Second opinion, Achirim say no. 
Yes means yes, come in, and therefore again, if they get gored or bitten, it's on the balabai. So interesting. So in Kuma Duchtek Mashma, so what's your advice that supports the opinion that says that yes means yes, stay where you are? Stay where you are. The Sanya Posh, Nicholas, and Vos, Kami Balabais, Finacho Shoshavabais, Onoshko Kalbo, Potter, Afa Pish, and Nichnas Berishos. So, what's it? This is fascinating. So, it's the same case, right? Employee comes to go ahead and claim his salary from his employer. And what happens? He gets bitten by a dog, the employer's dog, or by, gored by the ox. Ultimately, again, ruining the employer is Potter. So, the Gemara says, Elalav, the Kari Abava, Vaamrale in, Ushmamina, in. It must be a case where he knocked on the door. Ruvain said yes, and, and, and again, Shimon took that to mean he should enter. He entered, he got bitten, or he got bored. He's potter. What do you see from here? That yes means yes, stay where you are, state your intentions, and I'll, I'll come to you. And I'll say, that's how you pass him. It's actually interesting. That's how you pass him. When you knock on the door and someone says yes, yes is not an, yes is not an invitation to enter. Yes means... Either it means I'm coming, stay where you are, or it means state your business, stay where you are. But one way or another, what does it mean? Stay where you are, do not enter. Fascinating. Mishnah. Well, say, let's go. So now it's an interesting case. Up until now, we've always been dealing with situations where, where, you have one, one party damaging another party. Let's say a, a shard damaging another shard. Or a shard damaging Adam Amadas. And I will say in all these cases there was a damager and the damaged party. Right? An aggressor and a victim. And a victim. Now we're transitioning a little bit to a different case where there's mutual damage. Mutual damage. That's the case over here. So Shnei Shvarim Tamin Shechavlu Ze So we'll say now let's say you have two shard, two shvarim, two shards, two oxen that are both tam. Right? They're two tamim. Right? They're both tamim. And therefore, again, they injure each other, they damage each other. So, remember again, what does Tam pay? Tam, right? Karen, Tam pays? Pays? So, essentially, what we look at is like this How much did A damage B? How much did B damage A? Right? Let's see. So, if the amount is a wash, then it's a wash. If there's any excess damage, so, say, so the one who has the excess damage is entitled to Chatzinezek of the excess damage. Of the excess damage. Okay. So the Gemara says, Shnei Muadin. What happens if the two oxen that, that, are, that injured each other are both Muads? So Mosham bin Bamosar and Ezek Same thing. We look at damage that each one got. Right? And whatever excess damage there is that one has over the other, again, he gets, quote unquote, the excess of the Nezek Shalim. Or whatever would be left in the Nezek Shalim pot. In other words, we'll say, obviously, the Nezek Shalim that one is entitled to is offset by what? Offset by what? By the damage it did to the other. Okay, beautiful. Straightforward cases. I, what happens, we'll say, if one of the oxen is a tam and one is a mur, we'll say, now remember, they're, are, they're injuring each other. So what's the halacha? So we'll say, so once again, after we go ahead and take into account the damage they did to each other, so the tam, the tam, will have to pay in excess whatever it still owes of the value of chatzinezek, and the mu'ad will have to pay whatever it still owes in the value or in the amount ultimately of Nezek Shalim. Beautiful. So the Gemara goes weiter. So good. Similarly, if you have Reuven and Shimon who injure each other, suppose the same idea. Reuven and Shimon get into a fight. Get into a fight. And let's say again, they're both responsible. So what's the halacha now? Reuven owes Shimon Nezek Shalim. And Shimon owes Ruben Nezek Shalim. So what do we do? We look at the damages that they owe each other. And whatever, if there's any excess, then the one who owes the excess will pay the other. Good. Adam b'muad, umuad ba'adam. We'll say, let's say again, a person injures a muad, right? Adam b'muad, umuad ba'adam. So what's Allah? Mishalim amosir nezek shalim. Ultimately, we'll say, once again, we look, so we'll say it's all the same formula. When two parties are injuring each other, essentially, again, mutual, so a certain amount of damages will cancel each other out. And then whatever, whatever is still left in the pot, so to speak, of damages will get paid to the aggressor, will, will get paid to the victim. Adam b'tam, b'tam ba'adam. Adam betam shalim b'moser nezekshalim. I'm remember if an Adam, if an Adam goes and injures a tam animal, that's nezekshalim because man always pays nezekshalim. Tam ba'adam shalim b'moser chatzin nezek. But the tam ultimately again the person will pay whatever is left over after chatzin nezek or whatever is still left in the chatzin nezek pot. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says af tam shechava ba'adam shalim b'moser nezekshalim. Rabbi Kiva holds on the other hand that when a tam injures a person, 
So we'll say, remember again, let's say the Adam and the Tam are getting into it. So what happens again? Rabbi Akiva holds that ultimately when a Tam injures a person, you pay Nezek Shalim. Okay, so we'll discuss that position in the Gemara just a little bit. So we'll say, let's go. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Fine. Tarabanam. Kimishpat hazayasalo. So we'll say, so the Pasik says, so this is talking about an ox that gores. If the, if the ox goes in and doesn't go on another ox, but rather gores a human being, ultimately, again, like this mishpat, like this halacha you will do for them, or do to them. So the Gemara says, listen to this. We'll say, the same halachas of one shore goring another shore apply to one shore goring a person. Same exact halachas. First white line, Mu'ad Nezek Shalim. Both say, just like when one ox scores another ox, right? If ultimately, if it's a Tam, it's Chazi Nezek. And if it's a Mu'ad, it's Nezek Shalim. Afshar Ba'adam, Tam Mishalim Chazi Nezek. Mu'ad Mishalim, Mu'ad Nezek Shalim. So Rebbe says, so this is the opinion. So the Tanakhama holds that Aloha Lameisa, the interesting part about a Shar is that it's always the same Alochas. Tam always pays Chazi Nezek, Mu'ad pays Nezek Shalim. And here's, here's the Chap. It doesn't matter who the ox is goring. Whether the ox is goring another ox or whether the ox is goring a person, same payment table. Rabbi Akiva says, no, no, no. Kimishpat only refers to that which comes after it, right? In other words, we will say, the idea ultimately, again, of Tam versus, of Tam versus, Sorry, of Chatsi Nezek versus Nezek Shalim is only a din of one ox goring another ox. But if we're dealing over here with an ox goring a person, Rabbi Akiva says ultimately again, Nezek Shalim. Nezek Shalim. So the Gemara says as follows. So, so the Gemara says, Yachol, I'm sorry, Kimishvata Zek, Kitachtam Loke Elyon, Yachol Mishalim Minalia. You might have thought ultimately again he has to pay from the best, uh, from the best of his uh, property. So in other words, I might have thought that Allah Lamaisa. That, see, what Rabbi Kiva is saying is like this. Rabbi Kiva is saying that the idea of a tam paying chasin ezek and a muah paying nezek shalim, that's shor on, only shor on shor violence, right? Shor on shor violence is, is chasin ezek and nezek shalim. But shor on adam, that's going to go ahead and pay nezek shalim. Nezek shalim. Now, you might have thought that Allah chalamayisam min aliyah, you have to pay from the best as well. Yochum shalim min aliyah. Tamalomar, yaaselo, migufo mishalim, veinu mishalim min aliyah. So we'll say, no, no, look at Rashi. Yochol tam shechava ba'adam yekmuah lechol duvarov. Now we'll say, now in general, in general, remember, again, when you pay, when you're a muad, not only do you pay nezek shalim, but you're also paying min aliyah from the best property. So you might have thought that when a, even when a tam goes ahead and injures an adam, that he's like a muad in everything, namely, that he even goes ahead and pays min aliyah. Kamash malan though, he doesn't have to pay min aliyah. Ultimately, again, it only pays me gufo from the value of the damaging animal itself. Okay. Verabanan. Lama, verabanan. Lamali, the poet. Verabanan, lamali. What do the Rabbanan use this for? The poet shall me arba dvarim. Ultimately, again, to exempt, we'll say in this kind of case, to exempt from arba dvarim. Rabbi Akiva, the poet shall me arba dvarim in Ali. Where does Rabbi Akiva know to exempt from arba dvarim? Nafkale me ish kiitin mumba amito. We'll say, we know the Pasuk says, when a person will injure another person. Ish ba'amito, below shar ba'amito. The boss said the only time you pay dal dvarim is when? When? When people injure each other. But when one of the participants in the injuring is, in the injury is a shar, there's no dal dvarim involved over here. The boss said, obviously you understand, we're not talking about paying dal dvarim to the shar, we're talking about if the shar injures a person, maybe the owner of the shar should be chayiv in dal dvarim. Kamash no. The din on dal dvarim is only a din when two people are, are injuring each other. One person is injuring another person. But wherever there is an animal involved in the process, there are damages, there are damages, but ultimately, no responsibility, no responsibility ultimately again for Dalad Dvarim. So the Mars of Rabbana, Imahid Rabban would have said it from here, Hava minat sardhude, avaripu shabas emalitimli. I'm gonna thought maybe no tsar, but ripu in shabas you do. Come on, shalom no I'll say when it's shar on Adam violence. Ultimately, again, no Dalid Dvarim. So I will say, what comes out of here is really something very interesting. I will say, now, I'll just point out that Halacha Lameisa, we don't pass him like Rabbi Akiva. We don't pass like Rabbi Akiva. Rather, again, we pass like the Tanakamo. And therefore, again, Halacha Lameisa, if a Tam animal, if a Tam animal injures an Adam, that's Chasin Ezek. 
That's chasinah. So remember, Rabbi Akiva is of this opinion that whenever a shar injures a person, it is always going to be nezek shalim. That's Rabbi Akiva's shita. Rabbi Akiva's shita. That chasinah nezek is only a din on shar on shar violence. But if it's shar adam violence, nezek shalim, that's not how we pass pass like Tanakama, that a tam always has the same halachas. Whether it's a time injuring another animal or it's a time ultimately injuring a person, it is always going to be chatzin nezek. We also paskin that the obligation to pay dalit dvarim is only a din on human violence, right? People, when it involves people. The moment that there's a shar involved, there's damages, but Lamaisa again, no dalit dvarim. Fascinating Mishnah. Shar shavemana, shenagach shar shavemasayim. So this is an interesting case. Let's say you have a shor that's worth a hundred, a hundred mana, or a, right, a hundred zuz that went ahead and injured a shor, right, gored a shor that was worth two hundred zuz. Now we'll say now, remember again, now we'll say, let's say that this is a case where the animal was totaled, so to speak, right? So the carcass is worth nothing. Now remember again, we'll say, this is a time case. What do you get for time case? What do you get for time case? Chatzin Nezek. So therefore, again, both say, now we're assuming Chatzin Nezek is Bidenizak Shaminan. What does have damages assessed by? Have damages is assessed by the victim. So we'll say, so in this case, the victim was worth how much? 200 zos. So therefore, again, how much is the owner, how much is the owner entitled to recapture? 100 zos. There was, remember the sugi we saw before? Now, generally, generally, the, the victim, it offsets his claim by what? the value of the carcass, and the victim is also obligated to dispose of the carcass, sell it off, and recapture the amount. In this case, the, the victim shore was totaled. It was totaled, right? Yeah, whatever, mostly you can have a case where it was gored and like gored off a cliff, right? So there's no recoverable asset anymore. So therefore, I will say, all the owner, all, all, the, all the owner of the dead shore is entitled to his chatzin as like a hundred zos. And just happens to me, I will say, what's the value of the aggressor shore? What's the value? A hundred zos, which is exactly chatzin ezek. So what's ta'alacha? No talas ashar. In this case, Shabbosai, the victim, right, the owner, the owner of the dead shar, could go ahead and seize the live shar as repayment. Right, mazel tov, right, right, okay. But he's made whole. Right, so so that's it. So he's made whole. So again, he's getting his chatzin ezek in the form of a shar. All right, interesting, interesting. So that, that's the chatzin ezek. Now, say the truth is, there's no, no, what's the novelty in this case? What's the novelty in this case? The novelty in this case is that you could seize the aggressor's shar, and in other words, you have a right to seize the shar, as opposed to just a right to monetary compensation. So it says the Gemara, so let's analyze this, because don't say this is not Pasha, because we always thought Chatzin Nezek is a, is a debt, right? That in other words, the, the owner of the aggressor's shar owes Chatzin Nezek. But now we're saying that again, the owner of the dead shar could actually seize the live shar. So it says the Gemara, Masti Simon, who's the opinion of the Ramishar? It's Rabbi Akiva, it's Rabbi Akiva. The Sanyo, Yusham Hashar Bebezdim, Div Rabbi Shmuel. So I'll say, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Hochlat Hashar. So I'll say, now watch this. In general, in general, there is this discussion. There will say that, Halach Lamaisa, if you have a shard that does damage, right? If you have a shard that does damage. So first of all, look at Rashi. Yusham Hashar, Rashi says, Yusham Hashar Hamazik Bebezdim, Fiyitin Lomazik Maos Deme Hashar, so say, now, in general, in general, the, the halach is like this. Everybody says as follows, that when you have a damaging shor, what do you do? You bring it to Beisden, and you assess the value in Beisden. You assess the value of Beisden. So I'll say, and then again, that will say, now this is also going with you. Remember beforehand, we had the discussion, that when you pay chatzin nezek, it's chatzin nezek of what? Of what? Is it chatzinezek of the animal that was killed or, or injured or chatzinezek of the animal that is the aggressor? See here, the price seems to indicate that ultimately, again, it's chatzinezek of the aggressor animal, which is not as important for us right now, but you're going to see what's important. But the idea is you take the animal to Beisdin and you assess it. That's Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Akiva says, no, that's not what happens. means that now both parties own 50% of the shar. Both parties own fifty percent of the shar. But my kibbutz what are they arguing about? Rabbi Shmuel Savar Balchovu Vezuzi Hu Demaskile Rabbi Akiva Savar Shutfihu Shutfininu. So we'll say, watch this. This is so fascinating. We'll say, listen to this. When when let's say Reuven injures Shimon, right? Reuven injures Shimon, right? Or I should say Reuven Shar injures Shimon Shar. So now both say, so now what's the halacha? Let's assume that Reuven Shar is a tam. Therefore, there's going to be a din of chatzin So we'll say. 
For, so now we're operating with the idea that chatzin nezek is in the damaging animal. Let's, let's just go with that, even though that's not how we paskin. But let's just go with that for illustration purposes. So chatzin nezek now is in the damaging animal. So we'll say, so now how do we look at this? How do we look at this? So Rabbi Shmuel says, how do we look at it? It's a debt. It's a debt. Right, Ruvain owes Shimon chatzin nezek. What, so to speak, secures that debt? What secures that debt? The actual value of the damaging animal. But Shimon doesn't own any part of Ruben's animal. Rabbi Akiva says, not true. The moment that Ruben's animal injures Shimon, and now Shimon ultimately is entitled to Chatzin, as I will say, what happens? He gets a 50% ownership interest in Ruben's animal. Wow. Wow. What is this? Now watch this. What are they arguing about? They're arguing the following Pasek. So the Gemara says, what's the Pasek? They will sell the living Shar and go out and divide up the money. So Rabbi Shmuel says, this took the Beisdin. We'll say that if somehow Ruben can't come up with the money to go out and pay Shimon, Beisdin intervenes and they'll sell the asset. What's the asset in this case? What's the asset? The asset is Ruben Shar. Sell the asset, split the funds. Rabbi Akiva Savar, Lenizak Umazik Masulur Abanan. Rabbi Akiva says, No, who is the Torah? Who is the Puzzle talking to? So talking to Ruben and Shimon. Ruben and Shimon Mazeltov, you are now partners in a shar. So what do you need to do? You need to go out and sell it off and split the proceeds. Incredible. So my Ben Abbas said, What's the Machalok? So by the way, you hear this? This is incredible. So remember again, there's a lot of presuppositions over here, which are that, which are that, which are that number one, that Allah Lamaisa, that when this Chatzinezek, Chatzinezek is going in the damaging animal, right? And Lamaisa again now, so the question is, does Ruvain owe Shimon money? And therefore, again, but the debt is secured, so to speak, by the damaging animal. Or no, the moment that Shimon is entitled to Chatzinezek, Shimon takes a 50% ownership interest in Ruben's animal. Machlok is Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel. So the Gemara says, my benayah, both say, what's an afkamina? I'll give you some good afkaminas. Hekadisho nizak ika benayahu. We'll say, let's say again, let's say Shimon, the damaged party, ultimately, again, is Makdish, Makdish, the aggressor animal. Right? So, we'll say, so, so again, according to Rabbi Akiva, that'll actually work. According to Rabbi Shmuel, it won't work. Okay? So, by Rabbi what happens if, I'll say, if Ruben decides to sell off the animal? So, after Ruben's animal did damage the Shimon, and now Ruben owns Chatzinezek, Ruben decides to sell off the animal. What's Talacha? So, does that work? Rabbi Shmuel, Mahu. So, according to Rabbi Shmuel, what's Talacha? Kevin Rabbi Shmuel, Balchofu. Fizuzi who did massively machar. So I want to say, Kranjeri Shmuel, all Ruvain owes Shimon is what? What does Ruvain owe Shimon? He owes him money. He owes him money. But what doesn't Shimon have? Money. Shimon doesn't have an interest in the animal, right? He doesn't own the animal. Therefore, if Ruvain chooses to sell the animal, Ruvain has the ability to do so. Oh Dilma, I'm a base. I'll say, Oh Dilma, Kevan de Mishabed le Lenizak lav kol kamine. Maybe on the other hand, since there is a lien, so to speak, against the animal, or the animal is an encumbered animal. Right, so maybe again, Ruve, so Ruvain doesn't have the right to go out and sell it. So he responded, if Ruvain tries to sell the animal, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So the Vatanya, Machra, Machra, I, but we learned in the Raisa that if Ruvain does try to sell the animal, it does work. So the Gemara says, Choser Vigofo. So also what it means is that, very interesting, what it means is that, if Ruvain can't pay Shimon, what could Shimon do? Shimon could go to the purchaser and go ahead and collect the animal ultimately as payment for his debt. Chozer v'govo. So v'chimi achrish chozer v'govo. Lama lama macher. But at the end of the day, I will say if halacha l'maisa, if halacha l'maisa, Shimon has the ability to go ahead and go back and seize it. So what does it mean ultimately again that it's sold? Liridia means for plowing. Rashi says liridia shimcharosh palokeach einon nosi nimeach harishal nizak. Okay. We'll say what it meant is that if Ruben went in and sold the animal for plowing, and ultimately, again, the animal was used for plowing, so that was a valid sale in that way. But technically speaking, Shimon, the victim, has the ability to go back and seize the shar from purchasers if Ruben, the aggressor, doesn't have the ability to pay him. Shmamina, so we'll say, what do you see, what do you see from this? Shmamina, lova, lova, umokher metaltalin. So what do you see from here? You see from here that someone borrowed money, borrowed money, and let's say had property sold that property, sold that movable property, and now can't repay their debt, based in Govan Lomehem. Based in ultimately again to go back and collect that sold property in satisfaction of the debt. To which the Gemara says, no, 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 that's different. Why shiny house in this case is different. Why? To command the asoa po to Now we'll say in general, in general, 
when you owe someone, right? Let's let's say I right Reuven, right Reuven lends money to Shimon, right? And now what happens? Or let's say maybe Reuven borrows money from Shimon, and we'll see now Reuven has metalkum that he sells off movable property that he sells off, and Reuven can't go ahead and pay back the debt. So we'll say in general, Basin doesn't seize metalkum in satisfaction of a debt. The only thing that Basin normally will seize or can be seized is what is karka, is real property. So we'll say so in this case, what's what's happening over here? Reuven's shar injured Shimon. Ruvain now so Ruvain owes Shimon Chatzinazek. Ruvain sells the shar. Ruvain sells the shar. So let's say, so now what's that? Huh? Let's say Ruvain can't come up with the money. Okay, right? Where he can't come up with the money. So what's that? Huh? Shimon could go and seize the shar from the purchaser in satisfaction of the Chatzinazek. But, but that's interesting because a shar is metaltolin. And normally you can seize movable property in satisfaction of a debt, to which Rava says it's different over here. Why? Remember again, what's that apotiki? An apotiki, that's a contraction for apotehei where you designate a specific source of repayment. A specific source of repayment. You say, from here, I'm going to repay you. So say, so therefore, if you designate metaltolin as a specific source of repayment, and then again, those metaltolin are subsequently sold off by the debtor, the creditor has the ability to go ahead and collect those that movable property in the event that the debtor is unable to pay with cash. So if you made your evet, for example, apotiki and you sold them off, so Balchov go Balchov can go and collect. What if you made your axe apotiki and then you sell it off? In Balchov go Ultimately, again, Balchov can't go and collect it. So we'll say, see, see, it doesn't even work. Even if you make your shar. And apotiki, you can't seize it. So the Gemara says, Eved, my time. Why is an Eved different? Because we'll say in general, we'll remember again, the only time you could seize property is where? Is where the purchaser could have had the possibility to be aware that it was encumbered. So therefore, again, we'll say, if you, if, if, right, if you sell an encumbered Eved, people know about that. Right? Ashar, apparently, again, people don't know. But why is this case different? The Gemara says, Hi, Nami. So in general, if you sell an encumbered animal, so that so the creditor can't seize it. Why? Because an encumbered animal doesn't have a call. People don't know about that. Because people don't know about that, they can't take the proper they can't take proper steps to to protect themselves. Because they can't protect themselves, you can't seize it in satisfaction of a debt. However, what what does have a call? A shar that gores, a shar that gores, people know about. So we'll say, so therefore, again, let's take a step back. Let's put this together. So therefore, Ruven's ox gores Shimon. Shimon's ox. Ruven is chayef to Shimon. Chatzinezek. Okay, fine. It's a, we're going with the assumption over here that it's a debt. Right? We're going with the opinion that says that Shimon does not acquire a 50% ownership interest in Ruven's animal. Instead, Ruven owes Shimon's money. Ruven now sells that damaging animal. Now it turns out that what? Ruven has no money to pay Shimon. What's Talacha? Shimon could go and seize the animal that Ruven sold, right? And Shimon could seize it, satisfaction of his debt. I one second, but what? But, but again, but how can he do it? It's metaltolin, and generally you can't seize metaltolin. Creditor can't seize metaltolin. This is different because it's an apotiki. It's a defined source of repayment, or the sign, a defined source, an identified source of payment. I, but normally you can't make an animal a source of payment. This animal is different. Why? Because they're both saying it has a call. Why does it have a call? Why does everybody know about it? It's a goring animal. People know about that. Incredible. So, now, Rabbi Tachliva has a different version. Rabbi Tachliva says if Ruvain tries to sell the goring animal, it does not work. But if you try to make it Hekdish, it does work. So makro man, so we'll say, who's selling it? Who's selling the animal? If it's the damager, Ruben selling his animal, so it's not sold money. So Rabbi Akiva holds that when Ruben's animal damages Shimon, we'll say, what happens? That animal now is owned jointly by Ruben and Shimon. So that makes sense why Ruben wouldn't have the ability to sell that animal unilaterally. But the also says that if Ruben is Makdishit, it works. Who is that? Our son Rabbi Shmuel. So we'll say, Da'amar Yusam Ashar. But basically, that seems to reflect to Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel says that Shimon doesn't get an ownership interest in the animal. Rather, again, he gets a financial, he's owed money. 
If that's the case, Reuben is still the sole owner, and as the sole owner, he has the ability to be makdashit. So it's that strange to say that the first statement is Rabbi Akiva. I'm sorry, the first statement is Rabbi Shon says Rabbi Akiva. That's strange. Allah nizak machrov. In machrov. So it's rather it has to be who sold the shar? Shimon, the damaged party. And that doesn't work. Why? Who's a pain for money? Rabbi Shmuel. That reflects the view of Rabbi Shmuel. Hekdisho mukdash asalam Rabbi Akiva. So we'll say, and it must be the Sats Rabbi Shmuel. And Rabbi Akiva is one who says that if he tries to make it hekdish, it's hekdish. So we'll say, so it's just strange because one statement is reflecting Rabbi Shmuel and one statement is reflecting Rabbi Akiva. The Olam Mazik. Now we'll say, what's the case? The case is where the Mazik, it's Ruvain who's selling or being makdish. Everyone agrees that if Ruvain tries to sell the animal, it doesn't work. Why? I feel the Rabbi Shmuel to Hamashab de Leilinizak. We'll say everyone agrees that Ruvain can't sell the animal. Why can't Ruvain sell the animal? According to Rabbi Akiva, because again, Shimon owns 50%. But even according to Rabbi Shmuel, according to Rabbi Shmuel, the source of repayment for Shimon is going to come from where? From that animal. So to, because of that, it's really heavily encumbered. Because it's heavily encumbered, Dalacha doesn't allow Ruvain to go and sell it off. Hekdisho Mokdash, Rabbi Akiva. That goes even according to Rabbi Akiva. Why? And I will say the case ultimately again of Hekdish, that, is, that, that if you're Makdishit, it's Hekdish, right? I will say, I will say in general, we're always nervous. If somebody's Makdish something, to say that it's not Hekdish, we get nervous. Why? Because if Ruben says it's Hekdish, and now suddenly it's not Hekdish, people could erroneously think that something could transfer out of Hekdish even without any redemption process. So what, what ends up over here, just what ends up over here is a really fascinating fundamental machlokis, that when Ruben's animal damages Shimon, right? And now again, Ruben owes Shimon chatzinezek, So the mice what's their relationship to the damaging animal? So we have fundamental machlokis, Rabbi Kiv, Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel ultimately says, Shimon has no ownership interest in that animal. All he's owed is money. Rabbi Akiva, no, he owns 50%. Rabbi say, how do we, how do we pass him? So we'll say, we're going to see, interestingly enough, that to a certain degree, we really pass like Rabbi Akiva, that really we view Shimon as having an active ownership interest in the animal itself. Now, what that does, Rabbi say, is what? It safeguards Shimon that Allah so Ruvain can't take any unilateral action with the animal, thereby depriving Shimon of repayment. We'll stop over here for today. Get here to say, oh, shkoyach, shkoyach.